Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Oh, I don't know. I don't know where he's going that. The call is on lasagna. Giordano. Giordano lasagna. (laughs) Episode 66 of Brews and Bruins, a the Hockey Podcast Network podcast presented by Bruins Die Hard, sponsored by DraftKings, a drinkable podcast you can taste. Hey, Drew! What's got up, anything man? for us? Oh, oh, I do. I do. You've heard us talk about DraftKings. The leader in daily fantasy sports and how payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every single solitary night. And it's simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel. Ugh. Sweat. Damn. I forgot we didn't have Cam. <laughs> <laughs> like, never before. I was hoping Lancey would jump in there, but... Sorry, I'm not Cam. Every moment means... I don't get paid more. to do this. <laughs> <laughs> but you can get paid with DraftKings, where every moment means more. With a lineup on the line, DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. They are the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all the action. Download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only a DraftKings minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, welcome to the episode. I'm Chris Gear, THPN. And I'm joined by Drew Johnson and... THPN. If you, if you listened to uh, the ad read and didn't skip through it, which you shouldn't because you need to know all the, all the news about DraftKings uh, and get us paid... Uh, then you would know that Cam's not here and in his place. Wish this were Chili's, but it's not. We got Nick Lanciani. Hey guys, how's it DTFR. going? DTFR. <laughs> Nick Lanciani. DTFR. Tree glad I'm not a pirate. Yes. No. Okay. <laughs> mixed, mixed reviews. So the jury is still out, and we will be here for about 24 more hours. All right, folks, what are we drinking? Drew's finishing off a Corona. Lancey, what you got? I have got in my hands something from Aeronaut today. I've got a Citra Galaxy. I had my thumb in the way of the title of the beer. And, uh, you know, it's it's pretty good so far. I've had two sips, not going to lie. So I will now pretend I didn't have those two sips and sample it. And tell you that, as always, it's a 37 out of 37 in every way imaginable. It's a beer. I like beer. Because <laughs> why would I want anything else in the world? 
no no fame nor fortune can replace beer exactly uh, i got myself an omission brewing company lager gluten-free beer um i've drinking quite a beat, bit of wow i've drank wow. quite a bit of these on the podcast <laughs> and tonight apparently and this one <laughs> Well, I'll give the rating because we need Lancey to go back and create a spreadsheet. Um, I'll Don't give this that. one drinkability. It's pretty damn good. I would say it's about a thirty. Tasteability, you can taste it, but compared to their IPA, um, I'll have to go with a nineteen. Nice Drew right, Stafford, I- right? Yeah, you know Drew Stafford and uh, Zach Senishin. More recently. And nobody else. <laughs> and nobody else. Nope. No one. Um, all right. I have got from Harland Brewing Company a Lunar Maps IPA. I've definitely had it on this podcast before, so we'll have to have Lancey go back and uh, do a compare <laughs> and contrast regression analysis. Yeah, those are words. <laughs> um, 6.5% Citra Motueka hops. It is... Uh, I'm going to try and drink like half of this before I actually give the review. Um, it's really drinkable. Not a lot of flavor to it. So we'll go like 22 on the drinkability and 18 on the taste. Nice. So that would be uh, Greg McKegg and, well, Solark. Solark is kind of preoccupied. Oh, Ferenc is 21. That's right. He was 21, and Solaric was 22 most recently. Except I feel like there was a guy in between that, between now and then. They handed the number out at training camp. That much I know. Anyway, <laughs> on to more important things. Expansion Cr- draft. Yeah. Yeah. Lance yeah. has got, got his Kraken painting behind him. Figured it would make um, the background look, you know, like yeah, I live by here. The time, by the time you're listening to it, to this to that whatever you listen to uh you'll know that the kraken are a team and have players and as we're recording this uh jeremy lozan is officially a seattle kraken i I don't know he is a member of the seattle kraken i don't like saying he's a kraken but what if he were a kraken he'd be a pretty good looking kraken that much i can tell you yeah, he's a good-looking man. Yeah. I can't wait to go back and edit and like really deafen my applause so we can hear what the <laughs> listeners could hear. Because I heard and me and Nick heard, but I think I'm looking at the wavelengths on my thing and it's <laughs> for the uh, <laughs> applause. He's gonna yeah, max. You also have to go through and uh, or just like noise reduce the fan in the background because it's like 85 degrees in my room right now. Nice fan. Feeling uh, hot, hot, hot. So how yeah. are we feeling on Lazan, Zan, Zan? He's gone, gone, gone. Uh, <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> Just when I thought we couldn't continue it, Lance Look, to the rescue. this is a podcast of silliness, so uh, here we are. It's it's Friday, you know. That's, that's what we do. Uh, no, so Lausanne's gone, which I'm now going to turn into a song. Doesn't quite rhyme as much there. And I'm okay with things. You know, I was a bit more, oh no, who are they going to take when it was Vegas Golden Knights than I was with this time around. And that just might be the state of the team in general, where it's kind of like, oh, we're building towards something. You mean you're going to rip apart a piece of this? 
And nowadays it's like, oh, well, it's a guy, you know, like I, I wish him the best and I think he'll turn out to be a decent defender. But um, you got issues more so on your right side if you lose Connor Clifton. So you lost Lausanne instead. And now you just have to do something on your left side. And we all kind of know what they're chasing after right now. Please let it be Mike Riley. I'm fine with Mike Riley or Ryan Suter. At this point, you're, you're not going to sign a crazy contract. It's going to be like three or four years. So do whatever you can if, you, if it pleases Bergie at this point. <laughs> so <laughs> just, just do what Bergie says. Patrice Bergeron is now the general manager player, like in the good old days of uh, the 1920s. He's LeBron. Yeah. The perfect analogy. Drew, how you feeling, bud? I'm feeling fine. Um, yeah, perfectly okay with losing Lazan. I mean, I guess really Nick Ritchie is the only player I would have preferred them have taken out of the at least out of the ones that we expected them to take. I mean, obviously, I'd rather them take like I don't know some no name I don't even know that's was left unprotected. Um, but yeah, I think out of all the defensemen too. I mean, Zaborl is kind of in the same boat for me, although I think Lazon's a bit more advanced in his development and maybe has a higher ceiling. But I think if you're looking at the Bruins right now, I think losing Connor Clifton would be a bigger blow. I think Lazon definitely has a higher ceiling, and especially playing for the Kraken where he'll probably have some decent playing time or at least a decent shot at playing time. Uh, he could develop really nicely, but... If you're looking at the Stanley Cup window, which I would say is next season and maybe the one after, uh, I'd rather Connor Clifton there for depth than Lazan, you know, trying to kind of sprout into the defenseman they need him to be right now. Um, and yeah, like you said, there's a couple names out there that they could go after. Mike Riley, Suter, uh, me. I'm a left-handed hockey player. Oh, same. Um, <laughs> I need to learn how to skate, but uh, you no, know, well, I've got the edge on you there. <laughs> I mean, I could I could learn how to skate and play left-handed if they need that. <laughs> I'm actually a switch switch hitter, switch shot. I have a I have a two-bladed stick, so it like goes out like a Y. <laughs> I thought you'd just play with two at the same time, pull an Ovi at the uh, tape them together. 2009. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, one hand each. Yeah, just get a fully flat blade. Yeah. <laughs> It's a 1920s um, yeah, podcast. I'm telling. I, you. I agree with everything you said, Drew. That's that's smart stuff from from Drew. As uh, always, the the analysis that we expect. Uh, yeah, Connor analysis. Clifton is the is the guy that helps the Bruins most this coming year. Uh, Jeremy Lozon, probably not that, but probably will be a more valuable player than Clifton three years from now. Um, but you're not looking to win three years from now if you're the Bruins. You're looking to win next year. Um, or this year, I don't know, but technically 2022 is when you're going to be winning the cup. So Yeah, but this upcoming um, season. Yeah, this, this season is when you want to win the cup, and that's why I was kind of worried about the Kraken maybe taking uh, Curtis Lazar because he's, you know, he's, he's not the better pick uh, over Jeremy Lozon, but he's more of a win-now player. more damaging to the Bruins if you remove him from the roster. Right. Um, especially with the season coil had this past year and some uncertainty up the middle there. Um, so I was, I was pretty pleased to see Lozon go. And I think, you know, there are two, there are pretty much two camps 
there's no middle ground on Twitter these days. So the, the two camps were Jeremy Lozon sucks. You shouldn't be worried about him being drafted. And then the other camp was we just lost a really good player. And I think the truth, as it usually is, is somewhere in between. Um, where he, if you look at his underlying stats, he wasn't very good last year. But also he showed some promise when he was sheltered by McAvoy early in the season. And I think he could eventually be a pretty good defenseman. He's a young guy, uh, and it helps that Jay Leach is an assistant coach with Seattle. So, you know, it's kind of some familiarity. They'll be able to work things out, and uh, you can only go up from here, ultimately. The, the world is his oyster, to continue with the nautical theme of the Kraken. Uh, he gets a chance to potentially play up in the lineup, depending on how everything else shakes out. But realistically, yeah, no, he's going to be like the, the fifth guy maybe the fourth guy depends on what seattle does we kind of know but we kind of don't know you know you get the sense of what's out there and then you try and make a lineup and you just go "Mm, maybe that's a weak spot yeah i mean i'm sure there's going to be a lot of weak spots for seattle do you guys expect that it's going to be like vegas like oh we're going for the cup hip hip hooray well, if they no. took Mark Giordano as they they said, as the leaks said they did, then I think it kind of feels like they're going for it at least. Um, uh, it seems like they've stayed away from Carey Price and, and Vladimir Tarasenko. And they did take on a big one-year contract from Giordano. And uh, I, I think the, the idea is maybe, you know, draft for draft for the best possible team this year but also while staying low on the caps they can go after some ufas and rfas um it kind of seems like they want to be a team that contends in year one yeah more with that uh just real quick i just watched dominic moore throw a fish so that's neat uh but (laughs) bruins legend dominic moore exactly he wore number 28 the first player to do so after mark recce wore it in the 2016-17 season anyway uh the Kraken, they're just kind of going to get out of the gate and exist. I don't think they're going to be bad. I don't think they're going to be necessarily all that good. I think they could finish something like third in the division. And maybe they'll win a round. Maybe they'll lose a round. I don't think they're going to be the Golden Knights and pretend that they're the 1990s, pre-94 era New York Rangers where they'd sign everyone available in free agency. It wouldn't work that year. So then they'd get rid of that player and then sign everyone else that's available in free agency. I think they're going to be a little bit more tactical. You know, we've, we've Win seen... around, lose around, I get around. Yeah. Exactly. We've seen with the, uh, the expansion draft, they're not really taking guys that make more than $7 million. And we haven't heard of any of the side trades that might have been made. I think one of the weak spots they'll have is, you know, what's that first line really look like? And off the top of my head, Vegas kind of had that same issue. Although we yeah. we loved when they got Smith and Marcheseau at the same time, because what was Florida thinking? But I don't I mean, see that happening those guys for Seattle. Are more like second line players, like at at the time, and kind of developed into exactly more top line players. So I, I just don't see how their top six is going to be quite as good as Vegas has panned out from the expansion draft itself. Now that doesn't rule out what they do in free agency and trades, but. I see an issue with the top six. I see an issue with somewhere on the defense, but otherwise everything's pretty fine. They'll be okay. Yeah, I think the thing for me is Seattle really 
stocked up on their analytics department and making sure that they have like smart people in the room which is something that most nhl teams do but for sure more than there should be don't (laughs) um and if toronto has the largest seattle has the best in terms of available talent that they were able to scoop up and so that's the thing about toronto is like they do have a a a really you know supposedly forward-thinking front office and then last year they went out and had a bunch of signings and made a bunch of trades for players that are not analytics driven decisions and then they go out and get jared mccann who's a really good player like 25 years old had a really great season this past year um and then they expose him to the draft and seattle's getting a really good player (laughs) yep yeah i mean i think i think with vegas it was kind of a fluke in a way they're able to make it that far i think that's just kind of one of those hockey is weird i mean they they built a good team obviously they built a team that was good enough to make it that far but i think that's definitely you don't i don't think I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the history of the league, I don't think a team's made it to the Stanley Cup final in their first year. Uh, Unless maybe it was like the eighth team to come in, and you know, then there's eight teams battling for the Cup. Maybe there No, you just go back that. to the very first season, the Toronto Arenas at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but, Technically. Uh, but otherwise... All right. since the... Since the uh, it's, it's like once in a hundred years sort of thing that happens. You yeah. know, like a pandemic. Like when the last time a Seattle team won the Stanley Cup, and then the next time a Seattle team exists... Yeah, I want to say we were talking about this on the last episode, and and I don't remember who said it, but uh, it was just Vegas not only had a lot of things go their way during the expansion draft and and the things surrounding it, they also were really aggressive in free agency and managed to, after that first year, have a lot of turnover. Um, They obviously lost some players that that they... drafted in the expansion draft that were on one-year contracts and then went out and got a bunch of really solid players they made trades at the end of the season um and and ended up now they have mark stone one of the best players in the nhl they got max pacioretty one of the best scorers in the nhl they have alex petrangelo one of the best all-around defensemen in the nhl so you know that you uh, there's a lot going on there's (laughs) They have to execute in the draft, but also free agency is really important. And I think that a, a lot of people on Twitter were looking at the leaked picks and saying, where's the salary going to come? And free agency. Some of the smart people are looking at this year's free agency class and next year's free agency class and saying, maybe it's not, maybe it's smart to save some cap space and go after some of those players. Yeah, I think it might be a bit ridiculous to give Dougie Hamilton, say, $8 million per season. But if there's only one team willing to do that and it's Seattle then I don't think they're making a bad choice in doing so. There you go. I, it's kind of like when I think of Miro Heiskanen's contract recently where I'm like, a bit of a reach. Like, he can get to that level, but is he at that level right now? Where it's like, okay, well, only Dallas can do that, so kudos to them. I hope it works out for you, but, like, right away I'm a little iffy on it. I like him. I don't know if it's Already excited that. for Blake Coleman to sign a... Like, like ten six million, year, ten million dollars per year. Uh, probably not with the Kraken because I feel like they're too smart for that. But it'd be really funny if they put him on Yanni Gord's line, right? 
Also, shouts to a friend of the podcast, Chanel, for being on the broadcast. Don't know if you saw that in the background. Um, no, I did. Uh, so I'm not in a room with a television. Also, my TV's not working right now. So well, that's unfortunate. I have it uh, to the side of me, so I'm looking through. I'm actually looking through a light that I set up, so you can see my face because I'm in a new spot in this room. It's very oh, dark. By the way, Lancey, Kat wanted me to tell you that she loves the energy of wearing a Bruins jersey, a Predators hat with the Kraken painting in the background. I thought for sure I'd have to talk about that. Lot, so the Bruins jersey on. is because it's Bruins and Bruins. The Kraken painting is because it's the Kraken expansion draft. And the Preds hat is uh, supporting Luke. So there's oh, that. Hell yeah. Nice. Um, Cheers. I'm wearing a picture of a, a diver punching a shark in the face, which is definitely not an anti-sharks thing. It's just what I'm wearing. Hi, well, it's what Carlson Seattle's jersey. doing to the San Jose Sharks right now in the expansion draft. Who are they drafting? I have the uh, no one the good. K- I have the uh, KG elephant shirt because I hate elephants and I think they all belong yeah. in custody. <laughs> Drew thought the the people trying to help Dumbo escape were the bad guys. <laughs> no free range elephants for Drew. No, KG Elephants are your bad. Uh, another thing I was going to say, though, was that Vegas really stocked up on defense that year and kind of became sellers in that way because they knew that, that a didn't lot work, of teams though. were looking for defensemen. Huh? And that didn't work, though. <laughs> they they cornered the market on defensemen, and then everyone was kind of like, I don't know, we were already kind of all set, and we don't really need a fifth defenseman. Yeah, we'll take <laughs> had a all these on Mark thought, I guess. It turns out drafting 14 number five defensemen wasn't really the best way to go about it. But That was a fun thing when I was doing my mock draft. I was like, all right, so Vegas went in on defenders because everyone wants to acquire a defender. And then I was looking at the Kraken selections that I could choose from, and I was like, I really think I'm only going to go with like two extra defenders that I might move because let me tell you, it was that bad. Well, honestly, so I I'm wasn't really thinking when I was saying what I said before. I mean, like it didn't work in terms of <laughs> that's a cold uh, open. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of becoming sellers of defensemen, it didn't really work. But uh, defensemen, like that position, is the one that can be uh, a player can alter their. I guess you can expose a player's ability more by shifting them from one system to another mm-hmm. more than any other position. So I, I think what Vegas did, taking a lot of, you know, maybe quote-unquote mediocre defensemen um, and kind of trying to figure out who fit their system the best, that's how you kind of end up with Nate Schmidt kind of guys. I think everyone knew Shea Theodore was going to be good, and, yes. and that, I think that was—I think that was a trade. I—I I love how Anaheim, Anaheim being dumb lost Shea Theodore, and now they're going to lose someone else that's as good as Shea Theodore in terms of trajectory. <laughs> what are you doing? Incredible stuff from Anaheim. Uh, <laughs> but I think there is something to that uh, taking players that maybe other teams have decided don't fit their system, but could be better players in other systems um so that, that is the thing to look out for uh with with seattle also shout out to seattle for using the road jersey for jordan eberly's player appearance 
because they're outdoors, so it's not quite home yet, and it looks really nice too. I just is that who they say. took from uh, the Islanders? That is. He was just on the television screen, and uh, you can imagine how good he looked standing next to Dominic Moore, Boston Bruins legend. Dude, that's exciting. I he'll he'll be a solid first or second line winger. Yeah. Right. It's good for him too because he. Well, It'd be really yeah, good if it were good this like past year, but he hasn't had a hasn't had a lot of luck in terms of. Give me the Jared McCann, Yanni Gord, Jordan Everly, uh, line. Got to come up with a nickname for that by the end of this. Lazan and Giordano. Actually, is Giordano a uh, left defenseman? I believe he's right. Okay, so Lazan, Giordano. It's like very. Oh, I don't know. I don't know where he's going with that. We call Lazon Lasagna. Giordano. Giordano Lasagna. (laughs) All right. So, fun fact Giordano is a left shot defender, and Jeremy Lazon is, of course, a left shot defender. But you know what? They can. One of them can play the other side. Who cares? It does. If there's one thing I've learned from playing the NHL video games, it doesn't matter. You just put them wherever. And they skate around and do some shit. I'll tell you one thing. One That's thing hockey, baby. Skate around and do some shit. I learned. <laughs> skate around, get around, I get around. I learned how to crash the net and uh, cycle the puck and the very basic plays that they use from year to year in the, in the NHL video game series. And I also learned, I learned how, how to, how to play defense. I learned how to play defense as a forward. There you go. Two way guy. Hold the hold hold the left trigger button. Backscape. Oh, Jess just sent us our uh, our talking points, and it will be whatever the heck we want. Basically, we'll go over the leaks and how y'all felt. Oh yeah. So let's uh, check out check out uh, Locked On Flames, right? Yeah, we're Locked On Flames. Basically, the three of us are going to record this episode, and all three of us are going to migrate over to Jess's podcast and talk about the same stuff. <laughs> Hope you with like a couple more beers and with a couple more <laughs> yeah, beers, a couple more this, beers and try and get a little more in depth with uh, I'm going to look up some analytics numbers from uh, evolving hockey of the players being drafted. I know uh, Jared McCann's numbers are especially uh, impressive. Um, but... So long, Lazan. Yeah. Long. The name I just thought of that as the name of an episode. I'm sorry if I cut you off. <laughs> I didn't have anything else. Uh... Well, Chris opened up this episode. I'll close it. <laughs> hey, thanks for bearing with us. Drew trying to close Pandora's box over here. <laughs> it's going very well. Oh, fuck. It's only talk. been 26 minutes. Is that okay? I think that's fine. Well, I can talk for four more minutes about the history of Seattle hockey if you want me to. No, I'm kidding. I won't bore the listeners. Actually, I kind of want to hear this. All right. So way back in the day. first American team to win the cup. That's all I know. This is true. In 1917, the Seattle Metropolitans of the then known as Pacific Coast Hockey Association won the Stanley Cup. And then, of course, they went on to try to defend their title in 1919. And the series ended up being tied 2-2-1 before it was canceled because a certain influenza had uh, become very problematic in the world at that point in time. And four days after, as a result of pneumonia complications uh, stemming from the flu, Joe Hall of the Canadiens at the time had died. So, uh, yeah, 
Not a fun history fact, but, you know, the, the Metropolitans and the Canadians both decided after one was like, oh, we'll just forfeit. The Metropolitans were like, we won't make you do that. This is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. We'll just cancel the series, and no one will win the cup. Which is what I was secretly hoping for this year. Uh, not the <laughs> death part, but... Right. You're just hoping, oh, well, it's Montreal. It's a pandemic. There's a Seattle team coming along. It would be perfect if we just it's had so romantic itself, minus someone dying. <laughs> Oh my god, that's so romantic. It's like they're, uh, it's almost like they're replaying their first date for their last date. Yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly what they're doing. too, I'm sorry. <laughs> Is that what older couples do? <laughs> they die on their dates? What? Drew, how dare you? Um, all right. Check out Locked on Flames. Yeah, on that <laughs> note, everyone uh, check out when we go migrate over there. Toodaloo. Toodaloo.